welcome to another episode of the Top Order Podcast. A special guest episode today. We are joined by one of the all-conquering Australian women's team. At just 21, she's already a World Cup winner, part of the all-conquering women's team. Uh, which holds the record for the most consecutive ODI victories in the history of cricket. She's never been beaten in a one-day international, an integral part of the Aussie bowling attack. A Melbourne renegade and now a member of the Welsh Fire in the inaugural 100 coming up in England. Fresh off that record-breaking victory over New Zealand in the first two ODIs at the Bay Oval in Mount Monganui. Georgia Wareham, welcome to the Top Order podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, congratulations on the world record, now standing at 23 wins over the tr- on the trot over almost three and a half years. What does that mean for you and, and for the team? And also, how does that sort of enhance the profile of women's cricket in Australia? Yeah, look, it's just pretty special to be a part of a group that's been able to achieve something um, like that over quite a long period of time. I think um, when Ricky Ponning's team did it I think it was a, a much shorter period of time I think it was within the one season so mm. for the girls to be able to um, I guess achieve that over such a long period of time with I guess lots of different people contributing at, e- at each point um, is pretty special and look it's um, sort of it's pretty cool to be a part of a, a world like a world record like that. And the spin bowling department has been a real strength in the dominance of that side with with yourself, uh, Ash Gardner, and also Jess Jonathan as well. Um, another great job by the Aussie spinners in game two to wrest some um, advantage back from the white ferns, some tight bowling to, to build pressure. Is that something that you talk about as a spin bowling group with, with Ash and Jess on, on building that pressure and keeping those middle overs really tight? Yeah, it's probably something that we talk about as a bowling unit um, altogether. Uh, probably not just specifically us spinners, but I think Jess Jonathan has been able to do it for a, for a very long time and same with Ash as well. So um, I probably wouldn't say that it's just our spinners that we would like to do that. But um, yeah, look, we building a lot of pressure is probably something that as a team we're pretty good at to, I guess, not go searching for those wickets and um, yeah, really put it back on, on the other team. So which we've been able to do in the last couple of games against the Kiwis. It certainly seems like as a young leg spinner, you've got a lot of control and mastery over over your game. The dismissal of Hayley Jensen in that second ODI, pushing the ball wide and getting her to hit down the ground to the to the fielder in the outfield, it just it just showed, or, or I observed when I was watching you bowl, just an immense amount of control for someone so young. How do how have you worked on your game to develop that level of of control in terms of being able to bowl in the white ball stuff? Um, it's probably something that. Oh, it's, it's been a strength of mine for a while, but I think it for me, it probably just comes with bowling a lot during training, having a lot, I guess, behind me that I can come come back on. But I think for me, I'm not a huge spinner of the ball. So um, I guess control has is, is got to be something that I'm really good at because I, I guess I'm not beating the bat as much as I would, I would like to be, but I'm um, just making sure that if, you know, I can hit, a, hit the same spot or be able to hit a spot that I want to as much as I can. Um, and that puts me in good stead considering, yeah, I'm not going to be spinning it as much as some of the other girls. And given that sort of nature of your bowling, how much do you spend then working on things like changes of angles, changes of flight, pace variations in the white ball stuff? Or is it just mastery of the stock ball at the moment at the stage in your career? Uh, no, I think change-ups are all they're still really important for me. I think the change of pace stuff is is really good, I guess, going down. Um, especially in the one-day format. I think T20, I get, we can get a little bit carried away with bowling. Uh, a lot of different change-ups, but for me, in the one-day format, it's kind of just 
nailing down my stock ball and, and being able to hit that in the same spot. Um, but yes, look, changing pace is, is still really important, especially towards the back end of, of those one days that sort of turn into little t mini T20s at the end there. So being able to chop and change between those two is, um, is really important. And in terms of that world record, if we can segue back to that slightly, did you speak about in the lead up your sort of opportunity to cement your place in the legacy of Australian cricket? I mean, Meg Lanning seemed pretty relaxed after the ODI, uh, after the T20 series uh, in Auckland at the press conference. But had you guys, or had your girls spoken about that in the lead up to that first ODI? And, and what was that conversation sort of like? Uh, it's probably something that we didn't speak about much as a group going into that game. Um, it was in the media a lot, but mm. I think as a group, it just goes this, the same uh, focus for us. We, we want to win every game that we play. So um, we probably didn't acknowledge it as much before the game as we did after the game. Um, yeah, just to, I guess, not put that extra pressure on it. But it's, yeah, after the game, we were, I guess, pretty cool to, to be a part of something like that. And then I guess we can all sort of, um, yeah, look back on that now and think, well, that's pretty, pretty special. Uh, so I think it, it actually helped us out, not putting extra pressure on it, thinking about it before that first game. Mm. And you've had a lot of success in this series against New Zealand and against New Zealand in the series in Brisbane. Looking ahead to the next World Cup, what are Australia trying to get out of, of this series against New Zealand in terms of, you know, you're playing your opponent, getting to know them, but also getting to know the conditions that you're likely to face in the World Cup at the various venues that we're likely to see Australia play at? Yeah, I think this series is really important. We play New Zealand uh, quite a bit in our, in our schedule. Uh, so we know them quite well, but I guess for us, being able to see different combinations and different players um, step up at different points has been has been really good for us. And I think, like you said, using um, those experiences on the different grounds that a lot of us haven't played on before. I know uh, I definitely this is my first time in New Zealand, so and I think there's another a couple of other girls as well that, that haven't been here. But um, just yeah, getting used to the, the facilities, the place, um, all that sort of stuff, and yeah, just sort of like nailing down a few things before obviously that World Cup comes. Um, and yeah, just sort of, I guess, for the players, just yeah, getting used to that, the, the, the grounds and stuff like that. And coach Matthew Mott has spoken recently about a really competitive selection process. You know, the likes of Elise Villani and Georgia Redmayne had a great um, WNCL campaign. How much does that contribute to sort of keeping the playing squad on their toes? And, and what do you guys have to do to keep yourselves ahead of the chasing pack of the likes of India and England, South Africa, the West Indies and New Zealand, who'll all be gunning for you this time sort of next year? Yeah, I think um, it's really good to be able to go back and play our domestic cricket that is at such a high level and um, to see those players performing so well. Um, and I guess not be in this team is, is uh, a, a huge... Um, I don't know what the word is, but it's really good for our, our group, I think, because we go back and play such competitive cricket. Mm. Uh, it puts us in good stead coming into our international games. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, I think just think that's really important for us. And I think we're really lucky that we've got such a strong competition back home. And you've obviously been buoyed by the return of uh, Elise Perry recently and a couple of um, fast bowlers coming back into the mix. That must be nice to have that sort of fast bowling unit at, at, at firing on all cylinders now. Yeah, it is really special to be able to see the likes of um, Taylor Valemic and um, and Pez back in the side. Pez is an all-round all world-class player. Um, so it's pretty special to be able to see her perform. And I guess Tay with just a raw pace is, is pretty exciting for the game. And, and then Darcy Brown, I guess, in the T20 series. 
Uh, it was really special to see her. Uh, I know a lot of us don't like facing her in the nets, so it's good to see her out in the middle and uh, doing the same stuff to the Kiwis that she's been doing to us in the nets. And looking forward for, for the Australian women's team, what sort of cricket do you have coming up uh, in the next few months or do you have a bit of a break between now and the next sort of Southern Hemisphere summer? Uh, yeah, so we after this series, we go into some time off. Um, so I think we've got about six weeks roughly uh, before we get back into our, our training, our pre-season sort of stuff, So, um, which we're all looking forward to, I think. But, um, yeah, I think it'll, it'll ramp up pretty quickly for the next season, which is which is going to be quite big for us. And just on your own career, Georgia, you hail from uh, Tarang, is that right? So for those uh, outside of Victoria and Australia, a really small town uh, west of Melbourne. How did you get started uh, in cricket? And what were the pathways like for a young girl growing up in, in sort of a country area uh, to play cricket and to progress towards that sort of state level? Yeah, um, like a lot of the girls, I think that that would probably be a bit similar to me. Um, I grew up playing men's cricket when I was younger. Uh, so obviously I started in the backyard and, and then followed my brother who was a little bit older than me um, playing some local cricket uh, with the boys and then sort of got, got noticed as some talent and went on to play some pathways stuff and um, continued up through the ranks of underage state cricket and um, went through that, got picked up in into some state like um, women's cricket and lucky enough to, to be picked in the, the first uh, edition of the WBBL, which was, was pretty special. Um, and then it all sort of took off from there. I think um, being a part of that first round of Big Bash was was pretty special. And I think I, I didn't play any games in that first season, but just being around the girls, learning at such a young age, I think I was 16 mm. at the time, um, and being around some pretty special players and playing against uh, some other pretty special players as well was really cool. Uh, but then I guess being a part of the Australian team now is being around those players and being able to learn from them every day. I'm, I'm very lucky for the opportunity. And it wasn't very long sort of prior, uh, it wasn't very long from your debut in, in the Big Bash and, and in that women's cricket that you made your ODI debut for Australia in a win over Pakistan in, in 2018. How, what can you remember from your debut? What was that experience like for you at such a young age? Um, I remember being very nervous uh, to begin with, um, but I, I remember de- debuting with Sophie Molyneux at the same time for my one days, which was pretty special to be a part of the Australian team with one of my close mates at the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, I don't think I can remember too much from the cricket. I think it, it was such a, um, a nervous, nerve-wracking day for me. Uh, so the, the cricket stuff, I don't really remember too much of what happened in the game or anything like that, but... Um, I do remember getting presented my cap by Shelly Nitschke, uh, which was pretty special uh, coming from a, a pretty incredible spinner in her own right. Uh, and being able to be coached by her was was pretty special to be around that group. But um, I don't actually remember too much of the game specifically. Yeah, everyone we spoke to on the podcast has described their debut as going by in a bit of a blur and it's it's over in a flash. But sort of now 18 to 20 uh, one-day international matches into your career uh, all of them undefeated and at a, a bowling average of, of under 30 and a batting average over 40 in, in ODI cricket. It must seem like it's an easy game at this point or is there, uh, are there still lots and lots of challenges for Georgia Wareham to be able to conquer it at a tender age of 21? <laughs> I definitely wouldn't think that uh, cricket is easy for me, but um, yeah, look, there's def- different challenges that come up every game. I think we, we play um, some pretty tough teams. Like you said, 
uh, playing against the, the teams coming up, India and England and the likes of those. Um, they're really good teams in their own right with some pretty special players that are, that are tough to bowl at, um, which we see a lot of them in the Big Bash. But, mm. um, yeah, certainly it's definitely not a breeze as a league spinner uh, coming up in the game at the moment. It seems to me like there's been um, a real change in the power hitting of, of women's cricket over the last three or four years, particularly in the introduction of the of the Super Smash here in New Zealand and the Big Bash in Australia. Um, that's now moved to a standalone tournament, the Big Bash, and the Super Smash here features sort of back-to-back women's and men's games. In terms of the format that you girls play now in the standalone WBBL tournament, do you think that works best as a way to promote the women's game in Australia? And, and how has that evolved for you as, over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think um, going from playing after the men to, to playing standalone alone cricket has, has been really good for our game. I think we've been able to, I guess, really showcase just our games. Um, and I guess for the fans, it's not it's coming to, I guess, a three-hour match instead of, you know, asking them to to stay for, I guess, six hours or whatever mm. it is for a couple of games. Mm. But um, I think it's been really good for, for women's cricket in Australia. And I think that first season where we had, um, yeah, where we had our standalone games, I think we played some some really good cricket for the fans, especially in those semifinals that we had, mm. um, which were pretty special and kind of unique for those fans to be able to witness um, being, being a standalone comp. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's been really good for our game. And in terms of the the most recent World Cup in in Melbourne, I, w- I wanted to just sort of finish on that because that was a really special uh, moment for you and for that Australian team uh, walking out in front of eighty thousand people uh, at the MCG, a, a massive atmosphere. You know, Katy Perry was there and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that must have been really really special. Can you describe what that what that experience was like to play in front of sort of eighty thousand screaming Australian fans and and Indian fans as well? <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was an incredible experience. I think just being a part of that. I remember being at the the World Cup before before the one in Australia. I think we were all as soon as that that one finished in the West Indies, West Indies, uh, we were all talking about um, the one coming up in Australia, mm. which was looked so far away at the time. And then I remember them saying that we want to fill the MCG on the final of International Women's Day, and we we're all sort of like, oh, come on, you're not going to. We're not going to be able to do that, are we? So to be actually there and have 80,000 fans or, or whatever the number was, but just being a part of that was incredible. I remember there was a moment on the ground towards the back end of our building innings. We were all sort of standing around uh, and looking around the ground. We could see everyone had sort of like lights on their phones. I think a lot of the girls remember that moment. That oh, wow. Just looking around and seeing that many people with their phone lights on was pretty incredible and it just sort of like gave us a moment to sort of soak it all in um which was incredible i, th- I still think i sort of struggle to put it into words because it's something that um we might might not ever do again well it's certainly a very special moment in in any career let alone a, a cricketer's career to be able to walk out in front of eighty thousand fans so um sort of congratulations on the world cup win congratulations on the world record uh you've got one more odi to go against new zealand to, to round out your summer so um, best of luck for that game uh, tomorrow at uh, Mount Monganui. Uh, Georgia Wareham, thank you so much for joining us on the Top Order podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me.